Attention manufacturers, are you looking to take your company culture and employee engagement to the next level? Look no further than TCO Strategies. We offer comprehensive company culture assessments, employee engagement surveys, and leadership development programs designed specifically for manufacturers like you. With our expert team, you'll get the tools you need to understand your employees, improve communication, and drive success. Don't wait. Invest in the future of your business with TCO Strategies today. Hello, and welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the soul of the manufacturing industry? Look no further. We're your ultimate source for thought-provoking discussions and expert insights about the culture in the manufacturing world. I'm your host, Jim Mayer, and today's guest is a true veteran of the game, Jim King, the president and CEO of Akuma America. With over four decades of experience in sales, marketing, and product development, Jim has a wealth of wisdom to share. Jim currently serves as the president and COO of Akuma America, having been, been named to the post on April 2011. He originally joined the Akuma organization in January 2010 as the Senior Vice President of Sales. Before joining Akuma, Jim served as the Director of Channel Management for Siemens Industry based in Alpharetta, Georgia, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Nematron based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Director of Business Development for SourceAlliance.com in Raleigh, North Carolina. During his career, he managed national sales, channel, marketing, and service groups, as well as directed sales planning. He began his career in 1980 as a sales representative for Rockwell Automation, where he held positions of increasing responsibility in sales, marketing, and product development. Jim earned an Applied Engineering Sciences degree from Michigan State University. Get ready to be inspired as we uncover Jim King's journey from his early days to his current role at the helm of one of the world's leading machine tool companies. This is your chance to learn from the best and gain a deeper understanding of the future of, uh, the, of culture and manufacturing. So buckle up and let's get started. Hi, Jim King. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Jim. I hope you are. I'm doing well. It's uh, 62 today, so uh, it's a, it's a nice day, a little cooler than usual, but it's it's a beautiful day outside. I agree with you. We, we've already got trees here in the, in Charlotte that are are blooming, pollen falling from the trees. So we got an early spring here, which is very welcome. That's that's lovely. You guys have been uh, pretty cold this year, huh? Uh, more wet than cold. Okay. Um, so, but you know, this in the Carolinas, our our rainy season is is the winter time. Got so, it. just Got you, it. we we live through that to get to the Carolina blue skies in the summer. <laughs> well, wonderful. Hey, Jim, I really appreciate you being on today. As I was sharing uh, before we started recording here, uh, longtime fan, uh, known you for uh, multiple years at this point, but mm -hmm. even bigger. Uh, your influence that you have on the leaders in, in the manufacturing world is is wonderful and and want to thank you for taking the time uh, to share some of your knowledge and your insights with us today. So thanks Absolutely. for being on. Well, you're welcome. 
All right. So, Jim, uh, the what we talk about on the Manufacturing Culture podcast is, is of course, culture and cultural journeys within organizations. Today, we're going to talk uh, not only about your journey, right? So when you started mm-hmm. in 2010, uh, where yeah. was the culture? Where, where was it when you took over uh, as COO? Where is it yeah. now? And where do you want to get it to in the future? But then also, let's talk about how Akuma and technology in general uh, can help shape culture within a manufacturing company uh, and and what that looks like. And then if you've got three tips that you can share with our listeners on uh, how uh, on things that you've done to incorporate healthy culture or initiatives that you've brought to the table and what the results are, that would be wonderful. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. I'll throw you a little bit of a curveball because I, I think leading up to really how we operate today in Akuma culture, a uh, little bit of a journey before I came to Akuma, if that's okay. Oh, please. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. Go for it. So, you know, most as you said, most of my career was in corporate America. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and over the years since 1980, uh, corporate America uh, became very structured in their culture. And, and I believe, uh, in many cases, stifled the creativity and uh, the culture of their companies. And so when you when you when you when you really enjoy a culture and it and it gets locked down um, throughout that time I noticed the really the key things that turned my heart on from a cultural standpoint um, that really led me into understanding the kind of cultural journey I wanted to be on and uh, when I got the opportunity uh, to lead an organization got it wow okay yeah. Thanks so, for that you know, background. Yeah, because it, you know, I, I think it, it adds a little context to where we are. Absolutely. Um, when I came to Akuma, I would tell you that our organization fundamentally uh, was very good. Uh, the, our employees um, really did care about uh, the company and about our customers. Hmm. And what what do you think led to that? Uh, strength in culture and, and that belief uh, from the employees before you even joined? Well, I, I, I would, those that know Larry Schwartz, the gentleman I um, took over for, uh, Larry had Larry had a strong passion for, for manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really established, I would say, the foundation in which we worked with. Got it. Okay. And um, and I'll also tell you, I think uh, being in the South, it, it also helps quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I think Southern hospitality uh, is alive and well. Yeah. So, um, so when I got here, um, we had a, a mission, vision, and value that uh, I think was, was derived by a mathematician and a scientist. Got it. Just if no one could understand it and or recite it. Yeah. And, and so the, the first part of our journey was when I got here is to reestablish our mission, vision, and values. Got it. I would tell you, Jim, that that to me is the foundation of any strong culture. Without a doubt, I completely agree. And and how did you go about uh, that process of, of reshaping that? Well, uh, first we went to our customers 
and we asked them, uh, what did we look like to them? Um, how, did we, how did we service them? What are the things that they thought differentiated Akuma from their own suppliers of machine tools and other products? Yeah. Um, we went to our customer, went to our distributors and um, our own employees and asked the same set of questions. Interesting. And, and, and from that, um, the executive team got in a room and it took us about nine months to come up with a, one of the most simple mission statements I've had in my professional career. <laughs> and, and that is we passionately pursue a customer for life. Okay. I like it. I like it. And everybody can everybody can recite it. Mm -hmm. uh, we we anguished over every word. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, and and then uh, out of that really was the was the guiding light for us. And our our our, our vision is really to have a, engaged employees that are focused on exceptional customer service. Okay. And then the values that was another. Um, it was a lot of fun doing it because um, I think the values of our company really do um, are on display every day. And they are on that because we do some things internally, but they're real simple. It's leading with a servant heart. Mm -hmm. um, it is valuing meaningful partnerships. And from your past life, you know what that, you know, Absolutely. you know what that's like with us. Yep. Uh, commitment to quality. And then making it fun. And there's words underneath each one of these that define them in pretty good detail. Okay. And, um, and so, Jim, real quick, just to jump in, yeah. how you said that this is a foundation, the, the mission, the vision, and the values. How are you able to connect each role or each position, each human that works for Akuma to those three foundations? Um, so the first thing we do on a day-to-day -day basis, um, we have a, a, a piece of software we'll talk more about in the technology stand, uh, part, but it allows us to give digital high fives to anybody in the company. I like it. And so throughout the day, if someone does something really good for you, um, you give them a high five and it shows up on everybody's computer um, and you can attach one of their core, one of the four values um, to that high five. Very cool. Very and, cool. Yeah. And it's in it, in it, it just continues to reinforce that. Um, I've asked all employees when they start a meeting, both internally and externally, we've got a one slide that has our mission, vision, and values on it. I asked them to, to show our customers and even your other employees, the, that slide, and then attach a value to that, to that meeting. That's amazing. That's and, amazing. And so it's just, you know, and, and so every, every day, everybody is getting, is, is hearing about a value and someone living our values and our culture. Yeah, that's, that truly leads not only your internal staff to living the Akuma culture, but it also leads your partners, your customers down the road of living that Akuma culture themselves, which is fairly unique, uh, I'd say, at least in, yeah. in our industry. Um, yeah. it, that's, that's absolutely astounding. I, I like it a lot.
Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that when people come in, new employees, um, I, I have a every employee that's here for six months. I have lunch with every every one of them. Wow. And 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 I sit with them and we talk about our mission, vision, and values. And I ask these employees who've been here for six months, are we living these values? Um, do you feel that 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 are these on display in this first six months of your your time with us? It, wow. I've not been disappointed yet. <laughs> well, and that that's almost a, a verbal onboarding survey, if you yes. will. I, I don't know yes. if you guys do a defined onboarding survey post hire or after six months. Or, yes. Um, yes. But just that that verbal check in uh, it, that's a that's a big deal, I'm sure, with the new hires. It is. And uh, lastly, on the end of the year, we tally up all the employees that have gotten acknowledged for our values. And we give out five acknowledgements trophies along with a cash award that uh, for each of those values at our Christmas party. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we, we give four out individually. And then we have an overall winner that um, has distributed or, or has has exhibited all of our values on a consistent basis. Now, yeah. is, are those people not only acknowledged internally, but do you put that on social media and, and oh, yeah. share with the world? Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, you know. So the the whole idea is is if 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 you're going to have a culture and you're going to drive this culture, it's got to be part of the day to day how we live and breathe. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it, it's gotta be on display every day. And, and, and since we started this and, and I do this every day with people and I high five everybody that I, that I can see them exhibiting these things. Um, it becomes just one of those, it's like breathing now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's change management, right? That's yeah. uh, creating uh, and living it yourself, it's it, it, saying that you're going to do something like this is, is the easy part, but right. practicing it yourself as the leader of the organization, um, sometimes falls through the cracks in, in other places. Yeah. So, uh, it's good to see you, uh, you know, taking the, the reins and, and leading by example with that, uh, how, tell us a little bit about what this has done. Uh, for retention rates and the ability to find uh, employees. I know it's a, a challenging world. Uh, it's a, yes. an interesting world as far as finding the right people for the right seats. But how has this culture helped Okuma uh, achieve your, your people goals? Um, so first, the, the recognition of, with the employees that I meet with on a six-month basis uh, they compare us to other companies mm -hmm. and say that, you know, everybody here wants me to succeed. <laughs> um, I can go to anybody with a question and if they don't know, they'll find somebody, but the, I, I'm always, everyone is here to help me be successful. And, um, that, that type of culture and values, it bleeds into people going to their, their brothers, their, their, their friends. I can't tell you how many referrals we have that come in here 
um, where somebody was looking for a, a job and their best friend, they said, you got to come work at this company. <laughs> uh, you, you've got to come here. And our age, when I first came here, our, our average age was 47. Hmm. Um, we're now, now down to uh, 36. Wow. Um, I, I've got a whole crew of 20 somethings and, you know, right out of college and um, they're loving life right now. I and bet. So it's, and we also, we spent about, I don't tell you how much, we spent a lot of money uh, <laughs> renovating our facility. Yeah. So all new desks, you know, standing desks, lighting. Uh, we put a patio in um, that can seat about 40 people with big fans and heating. Interesting. Um, and a, and a roll up door. And really to it, it, you know, along with our culture, but we had to also create an environment yeah. that's consistent with that culture that will allow our, our employees to want to come into the office. But um, once, once they're here, they're, it's, they're, they're, they believe and have told me, so it's like a big family here. That's great. That's great. Um, one of the things, and, and you just said, you know, feels like a big family. One of the things that we hear in the world of culture is uh, companies that feel like families sometimes have a problem with accountability um, mm -hmm. because it's hard to hold unless you're a parent, it's hard to hold people accountable within a family. Um, yeah. And so how do you cultivate that sense of family while still uh, cultivating a, a sense of accountability, not only of each other, uh, but of oneself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and I'll tell you that at times we do fight that. Okay. Uh, and, and it's um, it, because people, you know, they don't want to get Bob in trouble. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, in, in what our organization has done is we've I've, I've, we've invested in our managers uh, uh, with a with an organization called the Center for Intentional Leadership. OK. Here in Charlotte um, and in really teaching our managers to be intentional about what they do and how they manage their employees. Wow. And in and it's in, in investing the, the money in these, these trainings and, um, and the things that I do with the management man, the next level down below my VPs is the accountability is not a penalizing, but an education moment. Sure. Good. For our employees. And it's, um, we don't penalize people for doing the wrong thing. We have a, a sit down and say, okay, help me understand. And um, how do we get better? Yeah, you know, it, let's it, let's not talk about the infraction, but talk about how do we get how do we get better? Sure. And um, but it, it's you are right. It when you create this culture, there are moments in time where you you sit back and you go, "Boy, I wish they would have said something." <laughs> yeah, that that tends to be a challenge. But it sounds like you're you're doing the right thing in in investing in that cultivation of leaders right and, yeah. and um making sure uh, because we see it all the time in this industry uh and i've mentioned it on the podcast with other guests you know somebody is a great individual contributor whether 
in a shop that's uh, an operator or machinist, in your case, a salesperson or marketing person or whatever the case may be, and uh, the person in front of them resigns or retires or passes away, and all of a sudden they're elevated to that leadership position with zero leadership training. Um, And so it it sounds like you're taking the steps uh, to do that. How do you identify, Jim, uh, that future class, that future leader um, within Akuma? Well, we have uh, a young woman that works for us that is our talent development. It's a, it's a part of our HR department. Okay. So, so we've invested in talent development. We call her t- talent development partner. Mm-hmm. And her whole role and responsibility in the company is, is to help us develop our employees. Wow. But part of that is succession planning. And I've been doing succession planning my whole life. <laughs> In all the companies I've worked for, it, it's, um, I'd say corporate America does that better than the small, small companies. Absolutely. So, you know, bringing that into the company, we had, the only reason I got into this job is because they didn't have anybody underneath Larry. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I thank Larry for that. Every time, every time I see him, I thank him. Um, but I have been, since I got here, I've also been on a, on a mission uh, to uh, identify through succession planning those individuals that are showing potential for leadership. Wonderful. And, and in that, once, once they're identified as potentials, um, um, I will set up a mentoring with them and identify them and we'll, we'll pass them around to the executive team to mentor. Oh, wow. And then we will um, have them through um, Stephanie, uh, work with Stephanie on, on what types of, of training skills they need to go to um, in order to continue that journey in leadership. Wow. That's amazing. And, and so talk about that's that's wonderful on the leadership side. Talk about some of the the investment you make in in the people of Akuma who might not be sure. leadership potential, but also want a career path, right? Not just a job. Yeah. They want that career path. So um, inside of our organization, um, we have um every employee has to have a certain amount of, of enrichment training. Interesting. Okay. And, 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 and each department is, 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 is um, ranked and judged on their ability to get training for their employees. Mm-hmm. So part, part of the, uh, the review process is identifying uh, those employees and kind of what do they want to do? Are, if they're in position, um, and they're happy, but they want, they don't want more responsibilities, but they want to be part of another team cross-functional. Uh, we identify that in the, in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a black belt, um, here at, 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 at Akuma. So we train people we've got a bunch of green belts and we do, uh, let people that don't want leadership positions, uh, expand their ability, um, and become a green belt and, and, and run projects for us. Wow. That's, that's a really big deal. I, I don't know yep. if I've come across a lot of organizations that provide that 
kind of opportunity and and have that capability in house. How did you yeah. come up with that program? Um, actually, the guy that was is the black belt. Uh, we had a we had some problems uh, within. Uh, I'm gonna call them process problems within our warehouse and our in our manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And he got he got certified as a master black belt. I think I, there's a term for it mm -hmm. that he can teach. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, he came to me and he said, Jim, we've been wrestling with these problems for 10 years. And he said, how about if I train some guys, some, some of the, the, the folks in, at Akuma in as green belts, and I'll coach them through the process of creating uh, a lean um, project. And it was a lot of fun to see it. And, and, and that was pre COVID. Now we got to get it restarted now that COVID <laughs> passed us, but um, it gives employees that it gives them an opportunity to one, learn something really new. And then two, to be involved in a cross-functional group, uh, sure. look, meet new people, uh, get different perspectives about the company. Um, pretty, pretty. And, and it, for us, the benefit is we fix things. Yeah. Absolutely. You can fix things as they come up and, and uh, not only be just reactive, but almost proactive and, and visualize yeah. them coming down the pipe. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so, so what's the future of Akuma's culture look like? Where, where do you want to get uh, the culture at Akuma too? Well, when I, I think, you know, for me, the culture is, is I'm, I'm happy where it's at. Okay. Um, in, in, in the, the tweaking that we're doing today, and this is where technology comes in, we've, we've gotten in, we've always struggled with, I'd say our biggest struggle has been, um, how do we, how do we do performance reviews? Uh, you know, in, in, in many cases, in most companies, performance reviews were a four letter word. Yep. And, and, and people did them, they put them in a drawer and, and never seen again to 12 months later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we, we, as a, we, as a group got together and, and, and Stephanie, my talent development, um, a partner, she found a, a piece of software called 15, five, uh, great, great software. Yeah. Uh, absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I'm not, I, I'm plugging it because it, we are, it, 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 it allows us to do high fives, check-ins, take the pulse of the organization. Um, and the, the performance management uh, um, is, is just an amazing tool. And it all, all this stuff links into one another. Absolutely. And uh, it's, it, it, to me, that's the next level of, of, our, of developing and uh, is, is really developing our employees, their skill sets and, um, in, in creating the next generation of leaders to, to continue to carry the torch for us. Absolutely. And, and these tools, these technologies, um, and, and, and like, you know, the software, it's, it's just, it's an, it's an amazing tool that can help us, um, really understand the organization better and, and really the health of the organization. Yeah. And, um, I just I'm I'm sold, and and I'd say that's really the next stage of of where we take our our cultural journey is is really on a how do we get people performing at at their peak, 
and at the same time enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, fifteen five is by far one of the most robust uh, software yep. tools that I've seen uh, out there that, that helps with these uh, cultural issues, right? Uh, and, and it's out of the box, uh, just off the shelf, absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, and, and you talk about performance reviews and, and you're absolutely right. People throw them in a file cabinet or, uh, at worst, they don't even like having those difficult conversations because they haven't right. been through that training to be able to have it. Right. And, uh, how is somebody going to get better? Um, Jim, one thing that I talk with clients about is, uh, separating, uh, the review from uh, compensation, um, because yep. whenever I have done reviews and compensations, part of the same conversation, employees tend to just flip to that last page, look at what they are, are getting as an increase, uh, close the document, and then literally tune out for the next 30 to 45 minutes, however long the review takes. Uh, how do you operate in that space? Uh, we, we, they're totally disconnected. Awesome. Um, our, our performance, uh, bonuses are around, uh, the performance of the company. Yep. Um, and if, if we perform well, um, our, our merit increases, we call them mm -hmm. are not really merit They're they're We, we look at what the industry does, um, for compensation adjustments. Got it. And, and, and so we just from a pay and we, we, as at most companies, we, we pay to have our, our ranges all, uh, uh looked at every year and mm -hmm. then we use, we use percentages. Uh, but then from a performance standpoint, it's on the performance of the company and every employee, all of employees benefit when we do better. That's wonderful. So how are those, uh, this might actually be a two point, uh, two part question. How are those KPIs, the metrics for the company decided and how do you cascade those down to, to each, uh, individual role or, or employee? Um, so we do a couple things. Um, the, the high level KPIs that our employees, um, get, get compensated on is really a performance of profitability and, um, in market share, got it. And okay. Which we, re we report on a on a on a monthly basis to all employees. Wow. But um, and and we share financials with our employees so they understand where they sit. <laughs> um, and, and I talk to them in the in our in our quarterly meetings about you know if, if we don't ship things we don't make profit. Yep. So so everybody from the sales to the to the warehouse to our accounting department everybody has a has a role in making sure. Uh, we ship things and invoice and get paid. Wow! Uh, so that's the that's that side of the of, of the of the compensation. The KPIs that we build are 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 part of our uh, quality system and in our ISO certification. Okay. So what we do is each department has a certain set of KPIs from you know quality software uh, to um, warranty costs and uh, and there's, there's about, I'm going to say 200 KPIs that we report out on a quarterly basis. Wow. 
And and that's in in the only the only it's tied not to compensation. It's tied to pride mm -hmm. because they all have to stand up in front of their peers and go through their KPIs and explain to them why their KPI has turned red this month. Wow. That's, and, that, that's powerful. You know, and, and I find that, that when you make someone stand in front of their peers and say, listen, you know, I, I, I we've been having a problem and, 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 it, and it's getting worse. I need help. Yeah. So it, it, it works, at least for us, it works. Well, and I like it. I like the idea of tying it to your certification, tying those, yeah. those KPIs. That's, that's a unique take, but it makes a whole lot of sense uh, yeah. because that's uh, how the, the certifications measured. So why not tie the, the KPIs of individuals to that cert itself? Mm -hmm. I like it. You know, the, 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 your ISO is procedures. So a lot of our procedures of manufacturing and qualifying tools and everything else. But part of our QMS is these, these quality of software, quality of production, quality of, of our sales organization, um, market share. Um, that's all part of our QMS uh, strategy. Wow. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, shifting gears here a little, Jim, um, sure. let, let's talk about, uh, machine tool technology as a whole and how it can impact culture, uh, having the right tools and, and technology, right. uh, in a shop because, uh, you know, a lot of shops, they have 10 to 50 employees, right? How, right. how can having that right machine tool, the right technology uh, impact a company's culture? Well, you know, the, the, the fun part of our culture and, and how it extends out to our customers is um, I'll tell you that there is a good number of our customers are personal friends. Yeah. And, and as you know, being from the industry um, as, as you get to, get into the shops of, of anywhere from five to 20 people, um, the technology that goes in there and the culture of the company that matches up with these job shops. So it's the, the, the technology they're looking for us to be, uh, that company that's going to stand by them yeah. and the technology and be there to help them progress and use technology, you know, I'll tell you a lot of times customers come in here and um, they think they need to, to buy a machine and lo and behold, it, they really just have a tooling problem. <laughs> right. You know, and, and we sit with them and we sit with, with the tooling manufacturers and we go through their process and we, wait a minute, you don't need another machine. <laughs> you, know, you just, you just need a better process. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, but that's that's creating that that uh, to use a corporate jargon uh, terminology that trusted advisor status, right? To yeah. where oh, yeah. you are, you're not every time trying to sell your customers uh, a machine. You're you're helping yeah. them solve the problems that they have, uh, yeah. and then without a doubt when they do have a need that is defined for a machine, you're going to be the first person they think of. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of the, that, and it works for us. And, and I believe that, that 
there's the technology of the machine tools, the robotic interfaces, the uh, the advancements in work holding and tooling in, in in-process gauging and all those all of the latest technologies mm-hmm. really do um, if you've got a strong culture that really understands itself and they sit with the customer and they can show them the, the, all this wonderful technology and then assess if that customer can handle the technology. Sure. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> you know, there are some people, you know, you put a, you put a five axis mill in, in their, in their shop and it's like giving a three-year-old a loaded gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, Wrong it, application. Yeah. And, and it, it, and so, you know, I believe today more than ever, more and more job shops have become so much more sophisticated yeah. Uh, than 10 years ago. Um, the, many of, there's very few that don't understand five axis anymore. Um, so I believe that they're looking for technology partners in a company that's willing to stand behind them. Yeah. It's actually not behind them next to them. And, yeah. um, and, and that's that, that when I, when, when, when your mission is to passionately pursue a customer for life, you're taking the technology, the machine tool and our partners to that customer and and we know that we want to come back tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, you you just said something that that's pretty powerful, and and I agree that shops are more technologically advanced today than they were ten years ago. What do you think has led to that? Uh, as a quick side note, is it uh, the youth coming through? Is it uh, forced to the shops to? adopt technology what do you think has led to it i think you know as over time i think that the companies have looked at um how can i compete against every everywhere from mexico to asia yeah and and if i can chuck that part and finish it complete and not have it move around my shop between three different ops yep um, I can, my, my, my shop cost goes down. Sure. And, Makes total sense. And, and, and so I think what's happened is more and more companies have said, you know, I, we, we've talked about four axes for how many years mm-hmm. and, and I'm not afraid of it or like an LT, which is a monster of a machine, but boy, for the right application, you're spitting parts out like crazy. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's, you know, I, I think the customers are, 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 are looking to be more competitive. Um, and the same thing goes with automation is mm-hmm. I, I've seen more and more companies that would tell me five years ago that there's no reason they need a robot. <laughs> and, and today they're, they're buying these roll up robots. I call them, um, you know, that they, they roll it up to an existing machine and, and it becomes a robot tended machine in, in, in a couple of days. Yeah. And, and Jim, what does that do for the culture of, of a shop, right? It, because yep. 10 years ago, even five years ago, you heard people saying, well, I don't want uh, to, to bring in a robot because that'll eliminate jobs, right? right. Talk about the, the people side of robotics and oper- and automation. It's, you know, for me, that what's happening is these shops are um, either the parents are retiring uh, or their labor force is retiring these these machinists, people that could run a machine and get tolerances that 
um, you can't find anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and now you've got a guy coming into your shop from Radio Shack, <laughs> you know, and um, they're realizing that I still need people to keep the machines clean, manage the chip control uh, and, and maintain the machine in an automated environment. Cause you know, just having an automated, automated machine, there's still resources it takes to make sure that that thing runs 24 seven. Absolutely. And, and so I, so they're, they're, there's, I think they have the same number of people, but there's less skilled labor. They're not machinists. Yeah. But they're taking care of and making sure the machine isn't clogged up with chips. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's less of the skilled side. Yeah. Um, but uh, some of what I've seen is also upskilling to train yep. people to operate Absolutely. the robotics. I mean, and, and that creates oh, yeah. a whole different skill set yep. and uh, career path for people. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so Jim, this has been a, a great conversation. What, what else do you have to say about uh, technology and, and the future of, of the workforce? Uh, you know, you said that you were able to, to drop your average age and you have yep. a team of very young people and, and I, we've got a couple of schools who actually listen to the podcast while they're uh, it, working in, in the shop uh, on Fridays. What, what do you think of the future of, of manufacturing and workforce development? How were you able to drop that age and, and what's the future look like? A couple things. Um, one, we've, we've, kind of resigned ourselves to the fact on us, our service technicians and even our application engineers, uh, we started a, a, an apprentice program. Mm. So we try to put about pre-COVID uh, four people on each side through the apprentice program. Wow. Um, we established a relationship with Rowan Cabarrus Community College. Great. Um, and, um, and so they're teaching um, uh, skills and machining 101 um, and they're supplying us with some uh, right out of uh, out of the technical school some some young talent that I gotta tell you has proven out to be some of the best AEs and service techs that we have really that's great yeah it's you know and and, and I, I I don't know I, I don't know if it's a sign of the times or maybe people woke up in COVID I, I don't have a good answer for it but what I'm, what I'm seeing is, is there's a lot of people understanding that going off to four years and, and, and getting a degree in, in, in racking up a significant amount of debt versus really getting a job that you can make really good money at in, in two years and not be in debt. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's more and more young uh, individuals that we're seeing that are that are going through the technical school. They're coming in here. Yeah. That was my Zoom call. <laughs> um, <laughs> no problem at all, uh, Jim. With uh, with those young people, one of the challenges that that I hear a lot uh, is parents. And so how uh, do you have a unique message that 
uh, you use or that the industry could adopt in mm. addressing the the change of the perception that parents need to have of our industry? I, I, I have to say, Jim, I don't have a secret silver bullet for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't. <laughs> you know, I we uh we do the manufacturing day we have employees that um that they they at the local tech schools and local high schools come in and um we not only show them the ae and the service and the machine side of it but we also highlight the uh, accounting department the hr department uh shipping and receiving in all aspects of our business that's great and, and so, you know, the message to everyone that comes in here are these young, young individuals is this, this is not this in a machine shop. It's not only running machines. They got, they've got to have front office people. They got to have back office people. Absolutely. And, and if you get them in here, you know, a lot of our service technicians become some very good application engineers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, that's the other message I think to manufacturing is, is that, don't think of us as just running machines. Mm -hmm. Think of us as corporations that have a front office and back office and get in and, and uh, as I'd say, once you get the smell of coolant into your nostrils, <laughs> I think it re re rewires your synapses. It really does. <laughs> And you, and you just get sucked into this industry. <laughs> it really does. I, I'll tell you, the first time I ever walked into a machine shop, that was uh, a smell I'll never forget. And that coming from a guy who uh, was in construction uh, yeah. and then walked into a machine shop for the first time, um, <laughs> the smell of coolant, uh, it does. It gets into your blood. And, and I can't walk away from the industry even if i wanted to uh it's yeah, just it, there it's you once it gets you you're hooked absolutely yeah. absolutely it, it's a lot of fun absolutely um jim uh any parting comments uh thoughts for the the listeners of, of the show here you know I, I i think manufacturing in itself has always brought back our economy we've always when you look over history in, in the darkest of times, manufacturing has helped uh, the U.S. come back from recessions, come back from every other crisis, hi hiring people, producing product. And, um, and, and, and that's one thing that I look at for our industry that just is, is a given and yeah. that, that people that want to have a lifelong uh uh, career, uh, manufacturing has always been there to help our nation. Yep. Absolutely. I, I am rarely speechless, but that got me. So, uh, <laughs> I, that's a, a great line, um, and great sentiment. And thanks for sharing that. No problem. Um, so folks, that's a wrap for today's episode of the manufacturing culture podcast. I want to extend a big thank you to our guest, Jim King, uh, for sharing his thoughts and experiences with us today. Jim's journey and achievements in the manufacturing industry provide a valuable perspective on what it takes to create a thriving culture in the world of manufacturing. 
I hope that everybody out there has enjoyed this episode and have taken away some valuable insights and ideas for your own manufacturing organizations. If you have any questions for Jim or any comments about the episode, please feel free to reach out to us at manufacturingculturepodcast.com. Join us again next time for another exciting episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, where we'll continue to explore the company cultures in the world of manufacturing. Until then, have a great day and keep making things. Mm -hmm.